All right. Welcome, everybody. Sunday service, Nifili Buzan. Uh, it's been a while since I've been up here. It's been about a month. I think the last sermon that I preached was from the Hongdae campus, and I was actually video streamed, like, up here. And they say that the camera adds 10 pounds. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Me and Mina were watching the video in the car, and I was like, man, that, that, I'm not that fat. <laughs> Like, like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, like, and she, she would say, yeah, that, you're not, you're not, you're not that bad. I just, I like, I don't know what it is. A camera, I don't know. It's, it's evil. Cameras are evil. Um, no, they're not evil. They're, but uh, that was the last sermon that I preached. And since then, uh, I, I haven't been up here, but I love preaching here at Busan. Um, it is my favorite place to preach. And I really feel honored to be before you today. Um, we had the Thanksgiving banquet last night. It was a blessed time, and uh, on on Friday, on Thursday, I have I teach kindergarten Monday through Friday, and then uh, my kids like they do that thing where Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, kids start to get sick. Like Monday is one kid, and they're like, <coughs> and then Tuesday is two kids, <coughs> and then by Thursday it was like five kids were sick, just coughing in my face. <coughs> I was like, oh, help me, Lord. On Friday I was fighting it. I was fighting it, and I remember, you know, I felt better. I took these uh, vitamin droplet things that you put in the, in the water, and it goes, I took like three of those, and I drank it down. Felt a lot better yesterday, on Saturday, throughout the day. But last night, as I was uh, doing the prices Right, uh, or the Family Feud, we should do the prices Right. Yes. Uh, well, as I was doing the Family Feud, I, I just felt myself, oh, I'm getting weaker. I was just like, my throat is just tightening up. And then this morning I woke up and Mina heard me. I was just like, ah, I was coughing. And I, I just was not in a good place. But, uh, you know, God's grace is on my body. And I, I believe that I have a powerful word for you guys today. And it's a word that I've been chewing on for a long time. Uh, it's been on my heart since well before the leadership retreat. I mentioned to some of the new, recruit, new recruits during the seminar um, about what I uh, was really meditating on. Um, last furnace or a couple of furnaces ago, Pastor Christian, he mentioned Colossians 1.28. Uh, he says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that they may present everyone fully, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And when we, as a leader and as a pastor, my goal, you know, my ultimate goal isn't to get you all guys married off. You know, that's what you guys might think. But my goal and what God's going to, Hold me accountable for to when I see him in heaven as a pastor is to make sure that I did everything I can to present you guys mature in Christ. We want, I want to see you. That's what I want to see you grow in. And I want to be able to say that th- there comes a point when you realize, man, this person has grown and has matured. And then now there's a level of like rest that I feel in regards to that person. When that person has reached a level of maturity, there's a level of like, a rest and like, um, like relief that I feel because I, 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 in my heart, I believe that that person, right, has, has, is in a place where now they can continue to mature in Christ without me so much like pouring my efforts into them. I think this is what happens as a parent. As a parent, eventually, you know, I take care of Ethan and I you know I baby him and he's, you know, and when he falls, like, oh, yeah. But eventually, there's going to come a point in his life where I'm going to have to just be reassured that he is mature and ready and able to carry on a life for himself. In the same way, spiritually, that is my goal as a pastor, 
is to make sure that all of you guys, that we can present you fully mature in Christ. In Ephesians 4.11, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, which are pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So, you know, my, my goal and my job isn't to do the, the work of the ministry. Okay? It really isn't. Although, you know, I am in you know, ministry, my, my job isn't to do ministry, it's to equip you guys, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Because ultimately, you guys are all, in, it, you guys are all like part of the kingdom of God, and God has given each and every one of you a calling to minister and to be priests of the Lord. And so, you know, with that, I've been meditating on this for a while, and I, I, was, I was really meditating. I was like, God, what is the character that at this, at this hour, there's so many characters that I want to see established in, in the congregation, but what is the one character that at this hour are you speaking to me about? And the word is, what came to me was humility. Now, what is, it's the one character that we as Christians, we all need to possess. It's humility. There's so many verses in the Bible that talks about being humble. Uh, Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Who is wise and understanding among among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. That's James 3.13. No, humility is the cornerstone of Christian character. But humility is a very tricky subject. Okay? Humility and trying to have humility is like trying to hold water in your hand. Have you ever tried to hold water in your hand? It's like virtually impossible. At one point, it's just it's all going to trickle down your hand. It's, it, but it's like you're trying to hold a butterfly from floating away. That's what it is. You know, I was reading an article by Tim Keller. He's a, the, the founding pastor of Redeemer Church in New York. And, I, and as I was reading this article, it, 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 I was like, man, it really is this way. And he writes, when we have a humble turn of mind in ourselves, we immediately become smug. But that is pride in our humility. If we catch ourselves doing that, we will be particularly impressed with how nuanced and subtle we have become. And I laughed as I read this. I was like, that is so true. It's that humility is so shy. If you begin talking about it, it leaves. To even ask the question, am I humble, is to not be so. (laughs) Examining your own heart, even for pride, often leads to being proud about your diligence and circumspection. And I was like reading this, I was like, man, it's like, it's so true. It's like a virtue that is very elusive in the kingdom of God. When we try to be humble, so many times we end up having pride about our humility. And it says in Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. And that's what humility can look like. Okay? Paul here is not saying that's what humility is, valuing others above yourself. That's not what humility is, but he's saying that's what humility can look like. But so many times, valuing others more than ourselves... It becomes a contest. No, and, and I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys know, like, Christian, Korean ajumas, but, you know, like, they love outdoing each other in service. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, 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 o
And eventually one of them's on the ground, like, oh, Anio. And they love outdoing themselves and, and being humble and, and, being, and being, you know, like serving each other. And although that's good, I don't think that's the definition of humility that God is wanting for us to have. Like the Bible says, we need to value others more than ourselves. And Tim Keller, he, dis- he defines it in this way. The essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. And he quotes C.S. Lewis. And it says, it is to be no longer always noticing yourself and how you are doing and how you are being treated. It is blessed self-forgetfulness. Blessed self-forgetfulness. That's what it's about. But it got, me, it got me thinking. As I was reading this, it got me thinking, well, how do we do that? Like, that's not easy. How do I forget about myself? How do I stop thinking about myself? When, I only, when the only consciousness that I have is about me and what I'm thinking and what I'm doing, how, what do I do? And what does that look like? Ultimately, humility has to be more than a mere feeling. More than just thinking. What is the action of humility? In order to find out, I believe that we have to look and focus on the humility of Christ. Christ, like, Christ-like humility isn't thinking lowly of ourselves. So many Christians, we believe. We have this mindset like, oh, who am I? I'm a nobody. Oh, I don't even know why God would use me. You have... This attitude of like, oh, what, what me? <laughs> what? <laughs> Christ has, you know, he, he was humble. Christ was humble, but he wasn't humble like the world is humble or modest. He was meek, but he wasn't weak. He walked and talked and did things that said, I am the son of God. He wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm just a lonely carpenter. I, I don't know anything, but maybe I can pray for you and you might get better. <laughs> no, he wasn't like that. He was confident. He was like, bam, be healed. Sin no more. Like, bam, be healed. Your sins are forgiven. And he asked Peter, he's like, who do, you, who do, you, who do people say that I am? He's like, who, who, do you, who do you say that I am? He's like, well, you are, you're Christ. You're the son of the living God. He's like, oh, Peter, you're blessed. Because flesh and blood did not bring you to this understanding. It was my Father in heaven. He was bold how he spoke. Jesus knew who he was, and he wasn't shy about it. That's why the Pharisees got so angry. They're like, did he just say what I think he said? Did he just say that? That's blasphemy. I can't believe it. How could he? They were so angry because he was so bold about what he was saying. He was basically saying, I'm the son of God. You see, a kingdom paradox that has to be learned is that humility and authority needs to coexist. Not just coexist, but complement each other. Now, that's like a paradox in our minds. Because humility and authority don't go together. Meekness and boldness need to coexist in us. And it can, it can be this way because our authority is from God. Our boldness is from the Spirit of God. Christ-like humility isn't thinking of ourselves higher or lower, but more about knowing who we are in God and who God is in us. 
Jesus' humility wasn't about how he felt, but stemmed from his complete reliance and dependence upon God the Father. And that's like my, that's my first point, is that Jesus' humility, it came from his utter dependence and reliance upon, the, upon God the Father. Verses uh, John 5, 19, 20. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of, of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. John 5.30, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 8.28, so Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father has taught me. Jesus' humility, it stemmed from his complete and utter dependence upon Father God. God the Father. And in Romans 8.29, Paul says that Jesus was the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. And we are co-heirs with Christ. He is our ultimate example. And as he was completely dependent upon God the Father, so do we have to be humbled by our dependence and our utter reliance on God. True Christ-like humility comes from a knowledge of who we are in God. Before we can be humble before man, we must first find ourselves being humble before God. Let me say that again. Before we can find ourselves being humble before man, we must find ourselves being humble before God Almighty. You know, I saw this article on, on Facebook, and it was about how, how insignificant Earth is compared to the universe. And it was like a random, it's like a, 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 a bunch of pictures that kind of showed you like, oh, this is Earth. And then like, this is Earth inside of Jupiter. And it's like, you can put like, you know, like just in that, in the little part of Jupiter that they call it the big red spot. You can put like three Earths inside there. And it's like 300 Earths can go inside of Jupiter. And then they showed you how our sun is like huge. When you look at our sun and you look at Earth, it looks like a little speck of dust. And then it goes on outer, and it's like, well, our, our solar system, okay, well, in the midst of our galaxy, our solar system is so big that our, our galaxy is like, is like a, a, a sand on a beach. And then our galaxy in the midst of like all the other galaxy is like, like all the sands in, in the earth combined. Okay, that's how many galaxies can fit into, like one of our galaxies can fit into like the supercluster. And it's going bigger and bigger and bigger and showing us like showing me how big the earth like our universe actually was there's more stars in space than sand on every beach on earth you know our sun versus the galaxy is like a white blood cell versus the united states that like blew my mind i can't see a white blood cell and it's like like it, it was saying like this is how big our galaxy is and it led me to an awe and wonderment of how big our god is to me, it's an, it's an analogy of how big and great our God is, and yet so personal that he can create the universe and make the tiny earth the focus of his creation. And it's God's humor and irony that he would use scientists and atheists to show us how big he really is. Our God is so big, he's so great. 
But we don't end there. He's so big. He's so great. He's so eternal. So he's so eternal that eternity stemmed from him. Created us in his likeness and loved us. But in our sin, we were separated for eternity from God, who is all in all, who is everything that is good. And there's nothing that I can do, nothing that I can do to save myself from this fate. There's nothing. I can, I can live my whole life for the glory of God. And I can everything that I make and everything that I do, I can give to the Lord. There's nothing that I can do to save me from this destiny of damnation. But he, in his love for me, sent his son to die on the cross for restitution for my salvation. It's nothing that I did, and it's nothing that I will ever do. It's him, what he did, and that's grace. That's that gift. That's the gift I talked about yesterday. Eternal Nintendo. It's, it's the gift of God, the grace, and and. And it is that grace and the realization of our other dependence on him that truly need to humble us. And that need to be the source of our humility. That needs to be the source of our humility. You want to have a humility as a character, you have to first be humbled by God and who he is to us. That's where Christ-like humility starts. Our complete and utter dependence and reliance on God his grace, that's, this should put us at all. Like, we should be in wonderment. Like, how can this be? Like, my goodness, how can this be? The concept of grace should floor us every time. Do you guys understand that? We can never get over grace. You know, there's gifts in my life that I've gotten, and I'm like, oh, it's so great, but I get over them. But grace, we haven't realized it fully yet, so we can never get over it. It's such an amazing thing. And from that place of grace is where our humility originates from. Not from ourselves, but from who God is. And that's where our humility needs to really start. It's from understanding who God is. He is so big. He is so great. He is so powerful. And yet, He died for our sins. And He saved us. So next, how do we walk out our humility? How does it become a character in our lives? And we need to look at Christ again. I want you to turn your Bibles to Philippians 2.8. Philippians 2.8. And Paul is talking about humility of Jesus. And it says in Philippians 2.8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It says that Jesus, he humbled himself. He humbled himself by being obedient. Christ walked out his humility through obedience to the Father. His life, from his birth to his death, was an act of obedience. John fourteen thirty one, But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. John six thirty eight. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John four thirty four. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Even as a cross draws near to him, in John 12, it says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? 
Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this. For this purpose I have come to this hour. In Luke 22, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Christ humbled himself through obedience. We can see it in how he taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that Christ's humility and obedience correlates to our own. So if we are to really walk in true humility, we must walk in obedience. You can have obedience without humility. That's possible. I see it all the time in my, in my school. But true humility can't come without obedience. Let me say that again. You can have obedience without humility, but true humility can't come without obedience. If a student really knows that I am in control of the class, he does what I tell him. He listens. He obeys. I have a, t- I have a student. Oh, Caleb, teacher, I love you. Oh, I love you. And then he acts like a fool, picks his nose, and eats it. And, ah! and then eventually, I have to humble him. <laughs> He's not humble. He gets humbled. Tommy Nelson I love Tommy Nelson. Who knows about Tommy Nelson? He's a good pastor. He says, it's better to be an adjective than a verb. It's better to be humble than be humbled. God opposes the pride. He gives grace to the humble. Obedience is key for walking in humility. And it's not the only key. But a true life of humility is not possible without obedience. You can't have it. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He didn't, and he didn't just tell us this, but he actually showed us with an example of him taking up his cross and denying himself. And God wants to take us to a deeper level of obedience where there is denying of ourselves and taking up of crosses. And we don't have time to think about ourselves because our lives are consumed by who He is in us. Before I go on, I want to make something very clear. Our obedience has to be from a revelation of grace. I talked about grace earlier. Grace and the utter dependence on God. As we allow the gospel message to start sinking deep into our spirit, the heart of us, the core of us, there is an overflow of love And desire to follow him. And that's where our obedience needs to flow from. It needs to be from an overflow of love that comes from grace. And an understanding of grace. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And if anyone loves me, in the NIV, he says, he will obey my teachings. You know, in that article, Tim Keller, he talks about two narrative identities. One is the moral performance narrative identity. And the other one is the grace narrative identity. The first identity says, I obey, therefore I am accepted by God. And the latter says, I am accepted by God through Christ, so I obey. And in essence, these two narratives can look very similar. But at the core of it is radically different and can result in radically different personal characters. True obedience that leads to true humility comes from the heart that embraces grace. That exalts grace. 
that comes from the overflow of love that grace brings. Out of that overflow of love and acceptance comes an obedience, that of Christ, which in turn perpetuates our humility. Without grace, that becomes pride. Now, there is such an intrinsic link between humility and obedience. And God is saying, be humble in heart and obey. Be humble and obey. And some of you are thinking like, man, this is all this obedience. It sounds tough. This obedience sounds like a lot of work. And that word obedience for you guys feel like, oh, it's just going to be hard. It's going to suck. I got to obey. Matthew 11, I love this verse. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. We think obedience is going to be so hard. It's like this trudging, like we have to just, ah, everything that we are, everything that we've got to just push into it and say, ah, I will obey. No. (laughs) Jesus is saying, my yoke is light. I am gentle. I am humble heart. I'm humble in heart. And then literally obeying me is going to give rest to your soul. Learn from me. That's what Christ is saying here. That's the, that's the sign of true humility. And it comes from obedience. Obedience is not as hard as we think. It's not as hard as we, we make ourselves think. When we realize the one that we are obeying is Christ. And the fullness of his love for us. And yes, it's, it's not like we're not obeying a mean teacher. No, like in our minds, the word obedience is associated with such negative connotations. I remember growing up, I had like obedient, and I would think of like my harmony. And she would like say, oh, if you don't work, you don't eat. And one time she didn't feed me. And my mom was like, did you eat? And I was like, no, I didn't cut the lawn, so she didn't give me any food. And my mom couldn't say anything. It's biblical. And it's like, it's like, like that's the type of obedience that like, like it, it, I associate that word with. But we got to understand our obedience. It brings us life. It brings us rest. You guys understand that? He's like, take my yoke. It's light. If we are to truly walk in humility, we must walk in obedience. And so how do we obey? How, how do we walk in obedience? How are we to obey? The first thing that we need to obey, we have to obey the word of God. Luke eleven twenty eight. He replied, blessed, rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. John fifteen fourteen. you are my friends if you do what I command. You're, you, if you love me, you will obey what I command. You know, the Word of God, we, got, we have to, like, it's so important in our lives. You know, you guys heard what Pastor Marcus preached the last time he was here. And he preached the importance of the Word. The Word is, is, is not just, it's not just a bunch of letters. It's a living Word of God. It's a testament of the Word of God. And it needs to be ingested in our, in, in our lives. And we got to take it in. Can't just read it with our minds, but we got to read it with our hearts and in our spirit. And we, got, we have to let it be written in our hearts. You know, like, the, a scribe, you know, like the way, long time ago, they didn't have paper, so they had to take a chisel 
and, 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 a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a hammer, and they got to like, ting, 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 and you got to like mark that joint in. And it was permanent, unless somebody broke it. And, but th- that's what we got to do with the Word of God. It's got to be like, like etched into our hearts, into, the, into the, the core of who we are. And as the Word of God is in us and starts to really start to be active in us, God is saying, don't let it stop there. But obey the Word of God. Obey the Word of God. Do what the Word of God says. And so many people, they, they, they're good at reading the Word of God and memorizing the Word of God. They're, good, they're really good at talking about the Word of God. And sometimes I feel like this too. But then when it comes to obeying the Word of God, it's like, oh, oh, hold on there. You know, like we feel like, oh, it's, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not so easy. But God is saying, you know what? Don't just take it in, but obey, obey my words. Obey my commands. If you love me, if you truly love me, you will do what I tell you. It's all written here, guys. It's written here. This is our first source of the word of God. It needs to come from this. All right? Yes, there's prophetic words. Yes, there's podcasts to listen to. And, and there's books that we can read. But first and foremost, the revelation of God and who he is, how he revealed it to us, is through the word of God. And we have, it has to be in us. It has to be being obeyed constantly. Now, this goes in hand in hand with my second point. We have to obey the word of God and we also have to obey the leading of the spirit. You can't separate the two. We have to obey the word of God and we have to obey the spirit of God. You know, the, who, you know who wrote this? It wasn't a bunch of men. That wore like togas and, and wore sandals and wrote on papyrus. No, people that wrote, do you know who wrote this? The Spirit of God. He wrote this. And he attests to this all the time. There's nothing that the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart that doesn't come from this. You guys understand that? A lot of times we're like, oh, I, I listen to the Spirit of God. And yes, yes, you listen to what the Spirit is saying about what he wrote. And it, and, and, and it goes together. It goes together. The Spirit of God is in you, but unless the Word starts to, to pile up in that place where the Spirit of God can start echoing what He has said, it's just going to be voice to you. It's just going to be words. The Word of God and the Spirit of God has to come together within you, and it brings life. John six sixty three. it says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. This is spirit. Second Corinthians 3.6 3, Who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant? Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Do you guys understand what I'm talking about here? This can't be a bunch of words that you... You start to store in your mind. A lot of people, they love arguing about, you know, don't get me wrong. We have to argue about doctrine. If not, we get messed up. There's nothing wrong with like standing up for scripture, standing up for, for, for doctrine. We, we are very reformed stance. We have a very high view of the script, of of scripture at our church. And so, you know, like if we really need to, but at the heart of it, it's not about head knowledge. It's about what the Spirit of God is doing with it in your spirit. As you start taking it in, and you guys just know it in your mind, all right? 
It's just going to become information to you. It's not going to be spirit and life. You've got to allow the spirit of God to take this and start doing things in your life. And that comes through obedience. You obey the leading of the spirit. The word of God has to be in us, has to be active in us. As we study and meditate, the word of God, which is in us, takes, is taken by the spirit of God. The word of God is taken by the spirit of God who wrote the word of God. And the spirit of God leads us in the word of God being applied and obeyed in our lives. Do You guys understand that? The spirit of God leads us in the word of God. He doesn't lead, he does, he's not like just like telling us a bunch of things that he want to tell us. Oh, Good morning, Todd. Uh, maybe today that you should, uh, uh, you know, like maybe you should start a new business. You know, yes. You know, like, like the Spirit of God does speak to us. But you know what? You know what the Spirit of God is constantly attesting to? It's to the Word of God. And, and how it is to be applied and obeyed in our lives. And yes, He talks to us about our future. He talks to us about how we should live our lives. He talks to us about decisions that we make. But it comes as the Word of God and the Spirit of God comes together within our spirit. We have to be obedient to the Word of God. And it comes together with it. We have to be obedient to the Spirit of God. We can't let this fall to the ground. We can't just... Like, like this is our bread. This is our daily bread. If, if, you, if I didn't eat every day, I would not look like this. <laughs> and if you don't take... Your word, daily bread, every day. I'm telling you, you, you your, your spiritual life, it's gonna be, it's gonna be anorexic. It's gonna be weak. Little things are gonna start taking you out. But if you have the word of God established in your, in your, in your being, and you're allowing the spirit of God to lead you in the word of God, through to obedience, to submission, I'm telling you, that's how you mature. That's how we're going to present you as mature in Christ Jesus. The Word of God and the Spirit of God, they go hand in hand. You can't separate the two. Next. So how do we obey? How are we to obey? Be obedient in the little things. We have a core value. It says be faithful in the little things. Or be obedient in the little things. A lot of times when we think about obedience, it's these great acts that we do for God. Like, oh, yes, God, if you call me, I shall go to Papua New Guinea and I will, you know. And we feel like, yeah, but then he's telling you about like, oh, like, like that, that guy that like cut you off in the road. Did you really have to call him an idiot? <laughs> I, I, that happens to me all the time. My wife can attest to it. There's times where like, like. Oh, God, you know, I, I'm serving you, and, I, and I'm writing these, you know, I, I'm ministering. And it was like, well, like, did you really have to get mad at Mina this morning? No. <laughs> but, like, our obedience needs to be in the little things in our lives. I'm telling you, we can't ignore the little things and trying to obey the big things. Because when it's time, when it gets time to obey the big things, we, we start realizing that, oh, man, I don't know if I can... Obey because I, you haven't been obeying in the little things. You can't, you can't let the little things just sweep them under the rug. You gotta believe in the, you gotta obey the little things. I, I, I get struck with this every day. Every day, like, there's times where 
I feel like, you know, and I get really, like, cranky sometimes when I have to write a sermon. So I feel like, oh, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm writing the Word of God, you know? Like, I have these, like, moments where, like, come on, don't disturb me. I have to, like, sermon prep. And then God is saying, like, well, why are you being such a turd to me now? Like, Do you have to act like that? And I'm like, no, God, but He's like, obey me in the little things. It's, it, I'm preaching to myself here. I'm preaching to myself. It is for you, all of you guys. Like you, you guys have this, these hard, you have, some of you guys are leaders and you guys have small groups and community groups. But are you obeying God in the little things? Are you, little, are you, are you letting go of the offense? Are, 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 you, are, you, let, are, are you obeying in, in those little areas in your life where God is saying, okay, take the high road. Are you taking the high road? You have to obey God in the little things. Obey quickly. Psalm 119.16. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. It's so important. We've got to obey quickly. Some of us, God is telling us, man, God is saying, all right, do this. And you're like, okay, well, let me think about that, God. Uh, I'll, le- I'll let you know after I get this done, and then uh, I prepare this for my class, uh, and, then, and then I'll come to you and I'll give you a decision. And he's like, God is like, no, obey me now. Follow my command now. And there's so many times where we feel like obedience is on our timeline. And obedience is based on what we think is right. and what, you know, That's not obedience. That's you doing what you want to do. You've got to understand, obedience is not just something that you do, but it's also a time frame in which you, it's to be done. When I, when I tell a student, all right, finish this page, he brings it to me six weeks from now. All right, I finished this page. That's not obedience. If I did that, I'll kick him. And six months later, I'll kick him again. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> obedience, it, it, there's, a, there's a time frame to obedience. And God is saying, obey me quickly. Don't let it stagnate. Yeah. Don't let it just sit there. Yeah. But obey me at the hour when I'm calling. We have to obey quickly. So obey the word of God. It goes hand in hand with obey the spirit of God and, and help it to be that that, that motion, that, 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 the, the one-two punch in our, in, our, in, our, in our heart, in our spirit. The Word of God and the Spirit of God attesting to the Word of God in our, us, telling us and guiding us. So important. And we'll be in, in the little things, in, the, in, the daily, in, in our daily life, the little, little moments. No, we can't just sweep those moments under the rug and say, God, I'm, I'm, I feel righteous before you. But you have to obey Him in the little things. In driving, there's times where I break the law a lot when I drive. God tells me, man, don't do that. Lord, I'm sorry. Obey me in the little things. Next, be obedient. Spiritual authority. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your soul as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Spiritual authority is a touchy subject. When I mention spiritual authority and submission to spiritual authority, some of you guys are thinking, Oh, no! You're going to make me marry an ugly man. You're going to make me quit my job and move to Africa. No! You guys have these like like horrible thing, views of what spiritual authority is going to Spiritual authority, we just want to make sure that you're living right with God. 
We just want to make sure that you're, you're, you're being obedient to the word of God. That you're not like falling into false doctrine. That you're understanding what, what, how God is speaking to you in your life. These are the way that we want to, we want to direct you and guide you. They're not going to tell you to marry this man. I know he ugly. I know he had no job, but yet I just want you to marry him. No. There's, there's, but you guys have that kind of an understanding. When I mention submission to spiritual authority, that, that's like kind of like what comes to your mind. Oh, I can't. They're going to make me do crazy things. No. We want to make sure that you are following the word of God. That's what spiritual authority is. You know, and for a lot of you guys, you guys come to our, to church and you guys choose to come here. Ain't nobody put a gun to your head and say, go to church. Right? And, and when you're here, God is saying, submit to the authority of this church. That's how God established, you know, the church is to be in submission to authority. And, and, and yeah, there's like abuse of authority and whatnot, but, but, you know, you trust the Lord. You say, God, I know, like, you know, like I put, you brought me here and it's not like me, like, like, you know, putting my faith in this man, but I'm putting my faith in you. And I know that you're going to help me to grow and mature in this place. Help me to submit. And in that submission, God's going to bring maturity into your life. Be obedient to spiritual authority. Be obedient to earthly authorities. Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Well, be obedient to earthly authorities. It's talking about your bosses. Yeah. You guys are like, oh, I don't have no earthly authority. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You have bosses. You have teachers. Pay your taxes. Do what's right. That's it, 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 that obedience. A lot of a lot of time, we feel like as Christians, like, yeah, I got to be obedient to God. But in certain areas of our life, you just let it lax. I don't have to obey that. Yes, you do. God is saying, obey, be obedient, be obedient to your earthly authorities, be obedient to your bosses, honor your bosses. You know, like, like, don't let that eight, you, eight hours is a third of your life every day. Don't let that eight hours be spent in a time where you're just hating on your boss. How horrible is that? How horrible is that to live your life? I know that some of you guys have really hard, you know, bosses and, you know, like, they can be mean and manipulative. But you know what? Honor them. I'm telling you, as you bless them, they're going to start, you know, the spirit of God is going to interject. And, and you will be a blessing in your, in your workplace. And I, I, have a, I have a boss. She's great. She's the most choleric woman that I've ever met. <laughs> I've never met a, a woman more choleric than my boss. And she'll tell me, like, oh, Caleb, come, come here and do this. Do it now. And then, and, 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 and it needs to be done now. And I'll be like, all right, I'll, okay, I'll do it. I'll get it done. And I'll bring it to her. And then, like, couple, like a day later, and she's like, oh, oh, oh I don't need that anymore. <laughs> what? Oh, I changed my mind. We're not going to do that anymore. I'm like, okay. But, but like, in my heart, I still have honor. Because, because God has established her over me to have authority over me. And she knows that I'm a pastor. And she, she, she treats me with honor. But ultimately, I give her the honor because she's my boss. She's my earthly authority. You guys, some of you guys are having hard times at your work. You guys have to have a mindset. Shift your mindset about your bosses. 
shift your mindset about your teachers. Instead of being so like, ah, oh, just start blessing them. Bless them. Because as you bless your boss, as you bless your teacher, as you start blessing your spiritual authorities, I'm telling you, the, the, the blessings that flow through you from, from the Spirit of God, from God, it's going to start affecting your workplace. It's going to start affecting your church, your classes. It will radically change the eight hours that you spend every day of your, every weekday of your life. You know, it will change. It will make it radically different. Be obedient to earthly authorities. It's very important. Next, be, be, be obedient in regards to people. I'm not saying do everything what people tell you. you know, somebody comes up to you in the street and says, give me your money. You're not, don't give them their money. But if someone needs help, help them. The good Samaritan, he didn't analyze the situation. Oh, you know I'm a Samaritan, right? And you're a Jew. And oh, I'm not supposed to be talking to you. You're not supposed to be talking to me. No, he didn't. He just helped. He just helped. He, he picked him up, took him to an inn, and, and gave, gave him money. Take care of him. He just helped. And, and yes, there needs to be wisdom in this area. You know, you don't want people to take advantage of you. You, wanna, you, you, know, you don't want to be manipulated. But ultimately, if somebody really needs help, be obedient. Just help them. If somebody needs to talk with you, if somebody really needs advice, somebody really needs a, a, a shoulder to cry on, be there for that person. That's how you are obedient with the people that God has established around you. Don't be so selfish with your, with your time. So many people are like, oh, like, they're like, oh, I, I need, can I, can I talk with you? Can, can we get, oh, you know, but I, oh, I'm, I'm so busy and I, I, I know, like, I gotta, I gotta watch Grey's Anatomy. Comes out tonight, so I, maybe next week, you know. Don't be so selfish with your time. But bless people. Obey quickly. I'm telling you, this is how you gain godly, Christ-like humility. This is how you start thinking of yourself less. Be obedient in regards to people. And lastly, have a cheerful heart as you obey. This is key. This is so key. You have to have a cheerful heart. You can't obey saying, okay, God. I don't want to do it, but I'm gonna, I'll do it because you're God. I will obey. But I don't like it. Man, have a cheerful heart. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That you may be a you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom whom you shine as light in the world. That's so that's so beautiful. If you want to shine, do things with a cheerful heart. Obey with a cheerful heart. If you're gonna have if you, if you if you need to obey, you know, like if you've made that decision, okay, I will obey. Do it gladly. But don't, don't do it with cynicism in your heart. You're, lo- you're losing the lesson that that obedience is bringing to you. You've got to let your heart do it with cheerfulness and joy. You know, earlier on, it started the sermon with the word humility. And it went to a place of obedience. And, and, and the character... Ultimately, that God wants to see in you is, is humility. He wants you to be humble. He wants you to have a life where you, you think of yourself less. But ultimately, it's going to come 
Not as, not as you start thinking of yourself less, like, oh, I, I, I'm so low. You know, like, oh, who me? No. We have to have a new understanding of what humility is all about. Humility comes from obedience. Humility comes from understanding that we are completely dependent upon God. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I can do on this earth that's going to save me from a damnation in hell for an eternity. There's nothing that I can do. I can, I, there's nothing I can, in all of my life, there's nothing I can do. And out of that place of grace, you realize, man, I am so small. I am so weak. I am so little compared to who God is. And yet he, he chooses me. And he has this relationship with me. And he loves me. And so out of that overflow of love, you start to serve him. You start to obey his words. And you, and you say, all right, not my will, but your will be done. That's, that's Christ-like humility. That's the humility that the world needs to see. You know, the world and, and popular culture is so cynical towards Christians. They really are. It's just, you, you watch American TV and you, see, you just see so much cynicism and almost just downright hatred for Christians. I believe that it's because the church for so long has held on to this false sense of humility. Feeling like, oh, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm humble. But ultimately, it's not about how we feel, but it's about what we do. It's about how we live. And God's calling us all to a new level of humility. He's calling us to a new level of obedience. If you love me, if you truly love me, and if you truly are humble, by who I am in you, that you obey my commandments. And that's you walking out your humility. Let's pray.